0: time, uh, how it was uh, doing a great work there in the country of Haiti. And he began incorporating that in other countries around the world uh, where he was working rather than just helping with the construction of buildings. So when the Lord closed the door for us living in Haiti, uh, this was the perfect fit. And we're now doing in countries around the world just what we were doing then in the country of Haiti. So to sum it all up, we can simply say that the Carpenters Project is all about church planting. We do this by focusing on two things. We help Bible schools in foreign countries that are training nationals for the ministry. And then secondly, we help the graduates of those Bible schools who are called of God to go out and start churches. We help them with personal needs. We help them with ministry needs. We'll support them for a period of about five years. And as they get a work going, we have had over 90 men that go through this program. 30 actually are still in the program. But every one of those men represent at least one new church. So in the last 12 years, uh, through the support of the Timothy Project, we have helped over 100 churches be established in countries all over the world. We are, uh, when, I, uh, when I travel, I go to these countries to have opportunities to preach and teach in Bible schools, churches, camps, conferences, whatever it might be. But I'm also looking to see how we can help the ministries there. And uh, when we see a need in a church or a Bible school or a pastor, I come back, I talk to Brother Conrad about it and what we feel led to do. Uh, we'll put in the newsletter. We send the newsletter out to about a thousand different people and churches. And uh, we just simply ask people to pray. And we know people are praying because inevitably the needs are met and 100% of what is given, designated to a special project, goes to that special project. So uh, we're presently working uh, still in Haiti and the Dominican Republic, which is right next door. Also in South America in the countries of Chile and uh, Uruguay. In Africa, we're working in Ghana, Ivory Coast, and Ethiopia. And then in in, in Asia, we're in India, uh, Myanmar, what used to be Burma, uh, Vietnam, Philippines, and I'll be going to Cambodia uh, n- later this year as well. Uh, we are thankful for your church, for your faithful prayers and support of the ministry. We have a display there in the foyer. Uh, there's literature there. You're welcome to the literature. That's what it's there for, for you to take to know more about the ministry. There's a place there if you'd like to sign up and get our newsletter directly to you. Uh, e- preferably email, but if you don't have email, you can certainly put your mailing address and we will send it to you through the mail. Uh, but we send out a monthly newsletter. It's uh, very readable. has pictures if you'd like to see pictures. And uh, we, we are so grateful for the many around this country, as well as this church who has faithfully prayed and supported our ministry. Uh, a few minutes. Does anyone have a question you'd like to ask before the message tonight? Anything at all? Yes, Pastor. We just back from India? Okay, we went to India. Um, in fact, my, my son and my grandson were able to go with me. And this will be my third trip to India. There is a, a man there in the city of Siliguri which is, I don't know if you ever noticed a map of India, but there's a, a little sliver of land that runs from the major part of India to the northeastern uh, states. And he is located in that little sliver of land right between all of those different countries. And uh, he is working uh, through this, his ministry to train nationals for the work and then to help them raise support to get on the field. Uh, many times when they're finished with their Bible school, they don't know what to do. Uh, they think that deputation is begging. Uh, they don't certainly don't want to do that. So he has seminars where he brings them in, he teaches them what it means to go on deputation, and then he will actually take them. It's a two-day trip into northeast India where there are churches, and he'll get them in these churches. And usually in one or two churches, he can get the support they need to get on the field and start a church, either in a different state or a state there in India or in one of the surrounding countries, like Bangladesh or Myanmar or uh, Nepal or Bhutan. And uh, we uh, recently, uh, ourselves, the ministry, the Timothy Project, took on five of of these men that have been trained, and uh, we're supporting them as well as he's trying to raise some support for them there in the country because our support, uh, after a period of five years, it dwindles off because they're to teach their people the, 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 give, the grace of giving that they might give and support their own pastor. We believe in the, in the, in the indigenous policy. We do not want to uh, cause ministries, uh, or Bible schools, or churches to become dependent upon foreign funding. We feel like there's times when they have a special project we can help with. There's times when we can uh, support them for a period of time to help the work get going, but eventually uh, we want to see them branch out on their own. All right, so we had a great trip, and uh, we're looking forward. In fact, the next uh, next two years in 23 and 24, I think I'll be going back to India another four times just because of the different ministries around the country that we are getting involved in. Anything else? Yes, sir.: They say this year it surpassed China. That's some good questions you'd have to ask Wikipedia. <laughs> I, um, th- there's a lot of rural uh, people there in India, but the cities are just packed with people. I mean, you fly into India at night, and, and it's just one city after another. It's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, China is a lot larger, and so it's not as densely populated as some areas are, but not overall as India is. And uh, overall, the the income would would be better than most countries where we we work. But still, there's many people that live with very little uh, monthly support, maybe just a couple hundred dollars. Well, I mentioned that uh, when we left Haiti and I began traveling for the Carpenters Project, my wife couldn't travel, and she kind of wondered... Well, you know, what am I going to do now? Because in Haiti, we did everything together. We worked together, we talked together, we planned together. Um, and after about six, seven months, she just said, Lord, if I can't be in Haiti, bring me some Haitians. And, you know, we lived in Indianapolis, and that might have sounded like a silly prayer, but a couple of days later, she got a phone call uh, from an interpreting service, and they said, we understand you know Haitian Creole. Uh, we have Haitians here in the Indianapolis area that when they go to the doctor or the hospital, they have their babies or whatever it might be at schools and clinics and uh, at uh, places of business. They don't know English, so we need an interpreter. So the Lord has given her ministry with Haitians in the Indianapolis area. And uh, she loves being able to help them. She opportunities to witness and share the gospel Uh, When she walks into a room and a white woman in Indianapolis, Haitian Creole spoken nowhere but in Haiti. And uh, they tell them that this is your interpreter. They kind of, you know, laugh. You know, how does this white woman in Indianapolis know Haitian Creole? And then she starts speaking perfect Creole and it just blows their mind. Uh, But uh, she's thankful that she has that opportunity to minister. I think we had a question here as well. They are nationals, as a rule. Uh, When I travel, uh, a lot of times I will do a block class for a week or two weeks. Um, But for the most part, uh, it's nationals that have been trained in Bible schools, and now they're teaching others in the Bible schools. Okay? All right, again, it's a joy to be here tonight. Turn in your Bibles this evening to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at many verses in this chapter, but let's just look at verse 1 to start. Paul, uh, coming off of chapter 3, referring to the new ministry of the new covenant, as as contrasted with the old covenant. Which was the, he calls it the ministration of death, the old covenant, the new covenant, the ministration of the Spirit. Um, he says in verse 1 Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Paul is saying, The Lord has entrusted us with this ministry. And along with giving us this ministry, he gives us the mercy that is necessary, the strength and the grace that we need to do the work. And as a result of His call, and as a result of His supply, we faint not. We don't quit. We don't quit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this evening, you are a merciful God. And uh, the Bible says that you delight in mercy. And, oh, how wonderful it is to hear that because, Lord, we need mercy every day. And you are merciful to us. And daily, Lord, you provide for us, you meet our needs. But most of all, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, our salvation, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the assurance of eternal life, Lord, uh, they're innumerable. There's so many. And we are grateful. Help us, I pray this evening, as we consider the truths from your word, that, Lord, we would allow you to encourage our hearts, speak to our hearts, recognize the task that lies before us and the importance of us being faithful and doing the work that you've called us to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before we get into this chapter, I want you to turn with me to chapter 11. We're going to look at a few verses here to really set the context of what we're going to study in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul here is giving his credentials, as opposed to the false teachers, his credentials as an apostle. And they're rather unusual. He says in verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes... Above measure. That's an odd qualification, isn't it? In prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Journeyings often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. And weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all of the churches. Now, this is what Paul had endured that he might be faithful to the calling that God had placed upon his life and the ministry that he had given him. And yet, in spite of all that, he says, We faint not. I want to ask the question this evening, what kept Paul going? What kept Paul going? As believers, and as a believer, you have been given at least one, at the moment of salvation, at least one spiritual gift. And when you use that gift, that is your ministry. And we, as believers, as workers for the Lord, need to be faithful that we also faint not. That we not quit. So this evening, as we consider what kept Paul going, I trust this will be an encouragement for you and I to keep on keeping on, to keep faithful to the task that lies before us. First of all, reading verses 3 through 5, Paul says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. Paul never quit because Paul realized that souls are perishing without Christ. Souls are perishing without Christ. Men, women, boys, and girls, yes, in India yes, in Africa, and yes, in Brookings, South Dakota, are facing eternity in the Lake of Fire unless they hear and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says in these verses that Satan has blinded their minds and he uses pleasure, he uses riches, but I think more than anything he uses religion. Yes, Buddhism, Islam, other world religions, but even the majority of Christian religions are not preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ alone can say there's no other way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We, as believers, are the messengers of this good news. Jesus said, As my Father has sent me, even so... Send I you. He was sent to the Father. He accomplished his mission. He has passed the baton to the church. And now we are running in this relay race to finish the work that he has called us to do. We are the messengers of this good news. I had a class one Saturday morning in Haiti with Christian workers from several churches. And uh, during the time, I just for a few moments, got on the subject of the gospel and how to share the gospel. Basically, the Romans wrote. Ended up with uh, Romans ten nine: If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. After I got done, a young lady, she raised her hand and She said to me, she said, I was born in a Christian home. My father is a pastor of the church. I've been in church all my life. I got old enough. I went to the baptismal class. I got baptized. I'm now a member of the church. I'm a worker in the church. She said, but I've never called upon Jesus to save me. Then she asked me this question. She said, if I were to die right now, where would I go? I said, ma'am, based on what we have seen in the scriptures and what you just told me, if you were to die right now, you'd be lost for all eternity. And then she made this statement, and I've never forgotten it. She said, but I have done everything that my church told me to do. I wonder at the great white throne how many people will say, but I did everything that my church or my religion told me to do. I looked at the young lady and I said, Ma'am, right now, would you just believe what God tells you to believe and call upon Jesus for salvation? She got underneath and trusted Christ as her personal Savior, blinded by religion. Satan uses religion to blind people. The gospel of Christ alone can save and we are the messengers and we must not faint because souls are perishing without Christ. Then, secondly, notice verses 6 and 7. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Here in these two verses, he is showing how that in comparing salvation to creation, how that there was darkness, God spoke, and there was light. One time, a Sunday school teacher asked the students, why do you think that God made the light first? And someone said, so he could see what he was doing. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Of course, God doesn't need light to see. But we have here creation, nothing but darkness. God spoke, there was light. In the same way, we in our hearts were darkness and the word came, the light came, and we heard, we believed, and then there was light. And now, as bearers of that light, we have this treasure, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, in earthen vessels. That's referring to our bodies made of the dirt, of the, uh, the dirt, of the dust of the ground. Uh, one time, a little boy came home from Sunday school and said to his mom, he said, my teacher told me that we're made out of the dust. Is that true? And and that when we die, we're going to become dust again? And his mom said, yes, honey, that's what the Bible teaches. Well, that was something new to him. Anyway, he went upstairs while his mom was getting lunch ready, and he was playing in his room, and suddenly he came running down, and he said, Mommy, Mommy, there's someone upstairs underneath my bed, and I don't know if he's coming or going. (laughs) Probably, Probably all of our beds, huh? But that's all we are, folks, just dust. And yet God has entrusted this glorious gospel, this glorious message to you and I, earthen vessels. And that's another reason why Paul never quit, because he always considered it an honor. Regardless of what he may have suffered, he still considered it an honor to bear the glad tidings of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Didn't matter that he was beaten. Didn't matter that he was toned. Didn't matter that he was in shipwreck. Didn't matter that he was in danger. He, was con- he considered it an honor, uh, an honor that he was not worthy of uh, to preach the gospel. I, I uh, remember my mom. I hope I don't offend anybody, but we grew up in a home where we played rook. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's just a card game. It's got its own cards. And uh, my wife, before we could marry, she had to learn how to play rook. It's just one of the requirements. And uh, you take turns dealing. There's four, usually two teams of two. And you take turns dealing. And my mom hated to deal. And every time it was her turn to deal, she made the same statement. She just thought it came around too fast. She said, is it my turn already? One day we were sitting there playing and she made that statement again. I said, Mom, we're going to put that on your tombstone. I never really thought much at all in really what I would want on on my headstone. And then I was flying to the Ivory Coast. I was reading a book and I found it. A mighty sinner saved by a mightier grace. Folks, that's all we are. Birth and vessels. It's not that we have to take the gospel. We get to. It's not that we have to go to church. We get to. It's not that we have to read our Bible and pray. We get to. These are spiritual privileges of which we are not worthy that God has allowed us to be a part of His great work laborers together with God. And Paul never got over the fact that though he had persecuted the church, now God was using him to build the church. And he said unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? A grace he considered it, an honor. Paul never fainted. Paul never quit because he realized that souls were perishing. He considered it an honor to bear the glad tidings. And then look at verse 8. Number 3, he said, we are troubled. On every side. He also said there in verse 8 that we are perplexed. Verse 9, he said, we're persecuted. And then he said, we are cast down. In other words, it can be difficult. Being faithful to God's call, being faithful to the, to the, to the Word of God and living God's truth in our life. It can be difficult, and Paul recognized that, and Paul admitted that. But notice what I did not read. He said, yes, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Paul never quit because Paul knew that the Lord is faithful. God does not fail. God will do what He has promised to do. All of the promises of God in Christ are yea and amen. We serve a God who cannot lie. We can trust His word. We can trust what He says. We can know that as we desire to faithfully serve Him, that He will give us what is necessary to do His work. We can be assured that all things work together for good to them who are called according to His purpose. You know, I, I would love to be able, the churches, many churches that still, to this day, after almost, I guess, right at 40 years now, that began supporting us when we first went to Haiti. I would love to be able to go back to those churches and tell those people that all these 40 years that you've supported our ministry, that every moment of every day that I have been faithful. I can't say that. I can't say this. 40 years of ministry... God is faithful. He doesn't fail. Never. Notice what else he said there in verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Boy, that doesn't sound like prosperity gospel to me. You know, I think sometimes we need to be careful that we don't let these false teachings affect our mentality and our understanding of the Scripture. There are those who would tell you today that it is God's will for you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. You just have to believe. You just have to have faith. And uh, they've got a big following because, hey, it sounds good. It sounds good. Who, who doesn't want to be healthy, wealthy, and happy? But notice what Paul says here, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. He's talking about what he endured and the suffering that he, that he endured for the cause of Christ. No, the Lord is accomplishing His purpose in our lives, and that purpose is not that we be healthy, wealthy, and happy. That purpose is that we be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And sometimes He touches our health and our wealth and our happiness to conform us to the image of Christ, and when He does, we should rejoice, because nothing should be more important to us than being more like Jesus. God is faithful. He does not fail. I I had a cousin who, her and her husband were starting deputation to go as missionaries. And we had probably been missionaries 10 or 15 years. I don't remember exactly. And we were just sitting talking and he made the statement, he said, to be a missionary, you've got to be tough. I thought about it for a moment. and I looked at him and I said, no. I said, to be a missionary, you have to be cold. Because if you know that God has called you, it does not matter what you face. You know that God will see you through And that's not just for the missionary. That's for every believer. Every child of God needs to know I am in the center of God's will where God wants me serving God faithfully in my local church. And knowing that God is there and He's watching over you and He's providing for you. My wife and I had made a trip to the capital, Port-au-Prince. It's about a four-hour drive. Uh, We left very early. We wanted to get there, get our errands done, and get back before dark. We were coming back into our town of Gonai. And uh, I said to Kathy, I said, something's not right here. Just the way people were standing around and all, I knew something wasn't the way it normally was. And we came to this area where people were just all over the street. We had pulled up. We had to stop. And as soon as we stopped, men surrounded our truck. A man came up and put a gun to Kathy's head. Another man came to my window and he said, give us your weapons. What had happened that day, the gangs in the town had been begun fighting among themselves. And they were wanting weapons for the fight. I said, I don't have any weapons. If he had asked me for money, I, <laughs> I had money, I'd have given it to him. But he said, weapons? I said, I don't have any weapons. He said, get out of the truck. I have no idea where this is going. What are they going to do to Kathy and I? What are they going to do? Do they they just want to take the truck? I had no idea. But when someone's got a gun to your wife's head and he says, get out of the truck, then you get out of the truck. So both Kathy and I, we opened our door and we began to get out. Before we could put our feet on the ground, someone in the crowd evidently recognized us and said something to this guy. And this guy, he blows a whistle. As soon as he blows that whistle, everyone just steps back. We close our doors, and we drive on home. That had nothing to do with me being tough. <laughs> that had everything to do with the providential care of a sovereign God watching over the missionaries that He would called and sent to the country of Haiti. God is faithful. He will not fail. And finally, Paul never quit. He never quit because he knew souls were perishing, because he considered it an honor to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because he knew that the Lord is faithful and finally he never quit because Paul was focused on that which is eternal. Notice verse 16. For which cause, and here it is again, we faint not, but though our outward man perish. And the older we get, isn't that so true? (laughs) Our outward man perish, yet in Christ the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice he says in verse 17, for our Light affliction. Now stop there. We read chapter 11 together, a few verses there, didn't we? Beaten, left for dead, stoned, dangers, in and out every day, prison. And he calls it light affliction. What's he saying? No big deal. That's what he's saying. We read that list, and he said, "Ain't no big deal, light affliction. How in the world could he say that? Well, it's because, as we continue, it's but for a moment. You know, compared to eternity, our life here on this Earth is less than a drop in the ocean. It's but for a moment. We have these few short years to make our lives count for the Lord and for eternity. We need to work while it is day, before the night comes when no man can work. He says, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of What is he talking about here? Well, you know, we have accounts down here on this earth. We have savings and checking and retirement, and there's a place for all of that. But we've got an account in heaven, too. And Paul's talking about making deposits in that eternal account. The Bible says that one day everything down here will melt with fervent heat. It isn't going to last. And that's why that we are not to set our affection on things down here on this earth, but rather to set our affection on things above, on that which is eternal. Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, But it's the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen, probably referring here to all his afflictions, they're temporal. They don't last. But the things which are not seen are eternal. One time, a Bible school student was asked the question, what are you going to do with your life? He said, I'm going to invest my life in the two things on this earth that are eternal. The word of God and the souls of men." That would be the desire of every believer. But our lives count. For eternity. That when this life is over, we can know that we have invested in souls, in the work of God, and spreading the gospel to the regions beyond. And we are thankful for this church and your participation in the ministry that we have around this world. And to think of the fruit that abounds to your account because of your support of the Carpenters Project as well as all the other missionaries that you're supporting. David Livingston Uh, he came back from Africa and he was in churches. He'd been there many, many years. He finally came back for a furlough and he went to churches to share his burden for the country or for the continent of Africa. uh, Trying to encourage young people to surrender their lives to go as missionaries. And uh, he was being introduced to one church and the pastor began to talk about all the sacrifices that David Livingston had made to be a missionary in Africa. When David Livingston got up to speak, he said, When you speak of my service in Africa, please do not use the word sacrifice. This is my reasonable service. If you want to talk about sacrifice, he said, then let's talk about Calvary. He also made this statement. If, if the commission of an earthly king is considered an honor? Why is the commission of a heavenly the heavenly king considered a sacrifice? Paul was focused on that which is eternal. Folks, we've got to keep faithful. We've got to keep going. We cannot faint. We cannot quit. There's too much at stake. Brookings needs a light. It needs needs a light in this this city of darkness. You say, well, America has, has been evangelized. You go to ten houses in your community and you ask them how someone gets to heaven. Those who believe there is a heaven will tell you, well, you should be a good person and some may say you ought to go to church. And that's not it. That's not it. We can't quit. And remember this. Jesus didn't quit on us. He was willing to sacrifice Himself. Perfect, unblemished Lamb of God. Led to the slaughter, the torture, the mutilation, the scourging, the pain, the crown of thorns, the agony, the shame, the humiliation. It didn't belong to Him. It belonged to me. It belonged to you. He did not deserve any of it. But he didn't quit. And he willingly took it that we might have life. Oh, that the passion that he had for my soul would burn in my heart as a passion for the lost around this world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. That he was faithful. He did not quit. Lord, help us to determine tonight. We don't want to quit. We want to be faithful. We want to do the work that you've called us to do. And help us, Lord, above all, to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He accomplished his mission, Lord. Help us to look to him. That we might not be weary and faint. That we would accomplish the task that you've given us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Pastor.